and uh, reminds me, as you have found Exodus 32 in your Bible, I hope, about the guy that uh, got up during a sermon, and somebody said to him, a deacon said to him, where are you going? He said, I'm going to get a haircut. He said, why did you get a haircut before you came to church? He said, I didn't need one. Well, I don't know if that'll be true of you today or not, but we'll find out as we develop this message, the Levites take their stand, Exodus chapter 32. Now, when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, the people assembled about Aaron, he was Moses' older brother by three years, said to him, come make us a God who will go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us from the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. Aaron said to him, tear off the gold rings which are in your ears of your wives, your sons, your daughters, and bring them to me. And all the people tore off the gold rings which were in their ears and brought them to Aaron. He took them from their hand and fashioned into it with a gravy tool and made it into a molten calf. And they said, this is your God, O Israel, who brought you up from the land of Egypt. Now when Aaron saw this, he built an altar before it, and Aaron made a proclamation and said, tomorrow shall be a feast to the Lord. Now we know why God chose Moses and not Aaron to lead the Israelites out of Egypt. That's not in the Bible. I'll just put that in there. Next day they rose up, verse 6, early and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, go down at once for your people whom you brought up from the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. Notice God called them Moses' people. <laughs> not his people, Moses' people. Verse 8, they had quit. quickly they've quickly turned aside from the, the way which I have commanded them. They have made for themselves a molten calf. They've worshipped it, have sacrificed to it, and said, This is your God, O Israel, who brought you up from the land of Egypt. The Lord said to Moses, I have seen the people. Behold, they are obstinate people. Now then let me alone, and my, my anger may burn against them, that I may destroy them. And I'll start over with you, Moses. I'll make you a great nation. Now here's Moses' argument with God, verse 11. Then Moses entreated the Lord, his God, and said three things. Oh, Lord, why does your anger burn against your people whom you have brought out from the land of Egypt with great power, with a mighty hand? What did God say? You worked a great miracle. You brought them from Egypt. Number two, why should the Egyptians speak, saying with, with evil intent, he brought them up to kill them in the mountains, destroy them from the face of the earth, to turn from your burning anger and change your mind about doing harm to your people? In other words, God... Your reputation's at stake back in Egypt if you destroy these people. Number three, remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants to whom you swore by yourself and said to them, I will multiply your descendants and the, as the stars of heaven. All this land with which I have spoken, I will give your descendants and they shall inherit it forever. Moses, three arguments with God. So the Lord changed his mind <laughs> about the harm which he would do to his people. Verse 15. Then Moses turned and went down from the mountain with the two tablets of testimony in his hand. Well, what were those two tablets called? The Ten Commandments. Tablets were written on both sides. They were written on one side and the other. The tablets were God's work, and the writing was God's writing engraved on the tablets. Now when Joshua heard the sound of the people as they shouted, he said to Moses, there's a sound of war in the camp. And he said, uh, it's not the sound of a cry of triumph, nor is it the cry, sound of a cry of defeat. I hear... The sound of singing I hear, verse 19. It came about as soon as Moses came near the camp, he saw the calf and the dancing, and the Moses' anger burned. He threw the tablets from his hands and shattered them at the foot of the mountain. 
He just threw down and broke the Ten Commandments that were inscribed by God's finger, if you will. He took the calf which they had made and burned it with fire, ground it with powder, scattered it over the surface of the water, and made the sons of Israel drink it. Then Moses said to Aaron, What did this people do to you that you have brought such great sin upon them? Aaron said, Do not let your anger of my Lord burn. You know the people yourself that they're prone to evil. <laughs> they said to me, Make a God for us who will go before us. For this Moses, the man who brought us up from the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. I said to them, Whatever, Whoever has any gold, let them tear it off. So they gave it to me, and I threw it in the fire, and out came this calf. That's where the word presto was invented, right there. Presto, out came this calf. Now, in verse 25, when Moses saw that the people were out of control, for Aaron had let them get out of control to be a derision among their enemies, then Moses stood in the gate of the camp and said, Whoever is for the Lord, come to me. And all the sons of Levi gathered together to him. He said to them, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Every man of you put his sword upon his thigh and go back and forth from the gate to the, in the camp and kill every man his brother, every man his friend, every man his neighbor. So the sons of Levi did as Moses instructed. About 3,000 men of the people fell that day. That's a little more than died on 9-11, 3,000. Then Moses said, Dedicate yourself today to the Lord, for every man has been sent against his son, against his brother, in order that he may bestow a blessing upon you today. The next day Moses said to the people, You yourselves have committed a great sin. Now I'm going up to the Lord. Perhaps I can make atonement for your sin. Then Moses returned to the Lord and said, Alas, this people has committed a great sin. They've made a God of gold for themselves. But now, if you, will, if you will, forgive their sin. If not, please blot me out from your book, which you've written. What a great man Moses was. The Lord said to Moses, whoever has sinned against me, I will blot him out of my book. Only those that took part in this revelry. Go now, lead the people where I told you. Behold, my angels shall go before you. Nevertheless, in the day when I punish, I will punish them for their sin. The Lord smote the people because of what they did with the calf which Aaron had made. Notice it says, which Aaron had made. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I try to imagine what it must have been like for Moses to be on the mountain with you. Forty days and forty nights without food or drink. We've never been there. There were more important things than eating and drinking. I remember, Lord, the disciples said to Jesus, somebody give you something to eat? <laughs> he said, my work is to do the food to him who sent me. Sometimes there's more important things than eating and drinking. I know, Father, that Moses made that trip twice. You didn't punish him. When he came down, his face was so radiant, they had to put a veil over him to keep from being offended by his, your glory that was around him. Oh, Father in heaven, help us today to go where Moses went to see your glory be captured by your glory, to be enamored with your power, 
the fact that you reign over a cruel, vile, evil world. You are Almighty God. I pray, Father, today that uh, you'll hear, we'll hear what you have to say to us. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. I want you to take a look at uh, this picture, or two pictures. One, first of all, this picture is of Gotham City, the Big Apple, New York City, New York, 1956. Guess what day that was? Good Friday. Buildings in three buildings in New York City, all lit up. I didn't live in the 50s, but I think the 1950s were probably the best decade of the 20th century. A great, a great decade. Those of you who lived through that probably agree with that. That was Good Friday, 1956 in New York City. Now, I want you to take a look at another picture. This picture was taken April the 2nd, 2023, two weeks ago. The Country Music Television Awards in Austin, Texas at the Moody Center. The country performer there with the... With the going down too and here's just a few of the lyrics from that song I keep all your secrets by the dozen you know where my skeletons sleep hypothetically if you ever kill your husband hand on the Bible I'd be lying through my teeth hypothetically if you ever kill your husband hand on the Bible I'd be lying through my teeth what what kind of song is that these other four people in this picture are men dressed up as women. They are transgender. These are all, all men dressed up as women. And when the song was over, they started through halfway through the song, they marched out as you know how they, they have stages that go out and the and and they're singing and making over this woman and doing all kinds of things. And the people in the crowd are going wild. You know what I noticed about this picture? Look at this guy right here. He can palm a basketball. Look how, look how big his hands are. One thing you can't hide is the size of your hands. The people, the people loved it. The people loved it. I, I want to tell you something. That is not normal. Roger Chambers was a preacher. He died on 8-8-88. Easy to remember that, isn't it? 49 years of age, Hillsboro Ohio family camp, died in a camper. He died 49 years of age, too, too young. But he said, and I quote, when men stop being men and women stop being women, it's the end of the line with God. Roger was ahead of his time. He was ahead of his time. Pete Buttigieg, the Secretary of Transportation for the United States, our President's Cabinet. He's a homosexual like our President's Press Secretary, Jean-Pierre. That's not normal either. I want you to take a look at this picture. This is of the Merchant Marine Academy, Kings Point, New York. I didn't know this till I moved to Maryland that the Marines are part of the Navy. Know that now. 
this picture is Jesus walking on the water and, and Jesus saving the sailors. That's what, that's, that's what that is. Jesus is saving the sailors. And Pete Buttigieg ordered that a curtain be put over that picture. There, there it is now. He ordered that picture to be covered of Jesus saving the sailors at the Merchant Marine Academy. The movement... The movement to eradicate God from America began in the 1960s when prayer and Bible reading was taken out of the, out of the government schools. And there are many elected officials in our nation today who want to remove all, all references to God from everything and expunge God from society and make government our God. There are plenty of people in this country who feel just like that, and you know that's true. The country has gotten rid of God, and the church is working on it. Israel was God's nation in the Old Testament. She was a national people and a spiritual people both. She is not God's people nationally today. National Israel is not God's nation. God's nation today is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the spiritual Israel. Paul said... We are the true circumcision who put no confidence in the flesh but trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Philippians chapter 3. The church is the Israel of God today. God's Israel is a spiritual people. Back in Exodus 32, Moses was on Mount Sinai receiving the Ten Commandments. He was gone for 40 days. And the people said to his older brother Aaron, by three years, we don't know where this guy Moses is gone. We want you to do we want you to make us a God. We'll follow that. And Aaron said, tear off your gold, your gold rings and your gold earrings and all, all the gold, gold donations. Aaron fashioned that into a golden calf, and maybe this is what it looked like, and maybe not. Advance the PowerPoint. I, I, scholars tend to think that the golden calf was made of wood and overlaid with gold because it says later that Moses burned it. Moses burned the golden calf, and put the ashes in water, made the people drink it. He's like to have a preacher like that. These people had recently left Egypt, less than four months. They left Egypt. They saw God work a mighty miracle, parting the Red Sea. The Bible says the water walled up on both sides, and they walked through on dry ground, and then God drowned the Egyptian army, killed every one of them. They saw a miracle. I've never seen anything like that. They left Egypt where they were slaves making bricks, and yet Egypt had not left them. Egypt had not left them. Apis the bull was one of the many gods of Egypt. Later, when the kingdom split in the 900s B.C., Jeroboam introduced calf worship in the northern half, northern part of the Holy Land. He introduced calf worship from Egypt. The southern kingdom continued on to worship God for another 150 years before they went by the wayside too. Exodus 32, 6 says, the next day, eat and drink and rose up to play, having a merry old time, dancing around that golden calf. You are our God. You brought us up out of Egypt. And Aaron says, we're going to have a feast to the Lord tomorrow with this calf. Right, Aaron. Right. You see, the people of God had trouble being the people of God. I said the people of God had trouble being the people of God. I want to make 
five applications that are on your yellow insert this morning. Five applications from this text. And when I say we, I'm, I'm not saying that we here or we you out there are all guilty of all these things. I'm using the collective we. However, no doubt some of us, all of us may be guilty of some of these things. You, you, you make the judgment yourself. Are you listening? Everybody awake? All right. Number one, we failed to warn people about hell. Hell is never mentioned in many churches because you can't draw a big crowd by telling people they're going to hell. Doesn't go over well. People don't want to hear that. Apparently, Jesus didn't get that memo because no one more than Jesus addressed the subject of hell in the New Testament than he did. You see, Jesus knew what he came to save us from, didn't he? He came to save us from hellfire, Mark 9, 47 and 48. If your eye caused you to stumble, throw it out. Better enter the kingdom of God with one eye and having two eyes be cast into hell where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. In hell, there are no fire extinguishers. You see a fire, man, they put it out quickly. I saw a guy, he won the, Randy won the Xfinity race at Richmond last night. He burned, a, burned the tires off his car. The car caught on fire because the tires were ignited. It was going to burn completely up. They put it out quickly. He was so happy, burnt the car down. Luke 13, 28, in that place there'll be a weeping gnashing of teeth when you see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and all the peoples in the kingdom of God, but yourselves being thrown out. Jesus said hell is a, is, a, is a place where the fire doesn't go out. It's a place of weeping and gnashing of teeth. I, I don't want to go anywhere near there. How about you? Hell is not a state of mind. It's not a polite four-letter word. Most people today have no, no idea of what hell really is. They don't believe in hell. And there are many preachers that stand behind holy desks like that who either don't believe it or are afraid to preach it. Like the preacher I heard about he got up and waxed eloquent that there is no hell went on and on when the worship service was over lady in church said to a preacher if what you say is true we don't need a church and if what you say is not true you have no business in the pulpit she did a better job preaching that day than he did didn't she if there is a heaven there must be a hell remember last week we mentioned in our sermon on the resurrection and judgment how the Bible says the rich man, the rich man died, he went to hell. And the, the poor man, Lazarus, he went to paradise, Abraham's bosom. The Bible says there's both places. And I want you to take a look at this quote. Not from the Bible, but it's, I think it's worth looking at. C.S. Lewis said, if the game is played, it must be possible to lose. You, you think about that. He said, if, if, if a game is to be played, it must be possible to lose. Fear of rejection is the reason the subject of hell is avoided in most churches. Fear. Fear is the reason. Dave Branholm, who also died before his time in a plane crash, he founded Bluefield College of Evangelism. He said, where are you going to drive people to hell number two? We have let 
people go to hell because we've been afraid of hurting their feelings. I want to challenge you today. Warn people for God's sake, for their sake, and for your own sake. It's your job to warn them that without Jesus, that's where they're headed. Thousands of people will go to hell today. They went to bed last night in a comfy, cozy, comfortable bed, and they woke up today in flaming fire. There's no way to get out of hell, but only one way to stay out, and that's through Jesus Christ. The people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play, and there's a lot of playing going on in churches. We have failed to warn people about hell. Secondly, we've avoided controversial subjects like the uh, previous topic that I just addressed. We've avoided controversial topics. Some of you have gone to sleep already. What's the matter? You wake up. Wake up, man. Wake up. The Bible is controversial by nature. Did you know that? I'm holding controversy. Here's what Jesus said. Not think I came to bring peace on the earth, but I did not come to bring peace, but a sword, a sword. I came to set a man against his father and a daughter-in-law, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a man's enemies will be the enemies of his own household. Matthew 10, 34 through 36. Jesus said, I came to bring not peace, but a sword. What do, you, what do you use a sword for? Cut people that need to be cut. And Jesus said that his, his identity would, would, would divide. It would cut. And, and, and Jesus taught us that, that he would divide marriages and divide sons and their, and their fathers and divide in-laws. And I've seen all of that. I've seen all of that. Friends divided. I knew a lady in North Carolina became a Christian. She was a Jew. Her parents had her funeral. Earlier this year, I was going through sermon notes. I've always been one to take sermon notes a lot when other people are preaching. I've got books of sermon notes. And I came across uh, one of the old prayer clinics in, in 2000, 2004 where Chuck Dowdy was preaching. And he said, and I quote, I would not want the love of a spouse or the love of a child more than the love of Christ. A lot of people just don't. A lot of people, man, just aren't there. They just can't put Christ ahead of those relationships. Bob Russell's a preacher. Preaching in Louisville, Kentucky. Many years now goes around traveling. I read an article he wrote, and I'm going to quote from it now. Here's what he said last month. As a guest preacher, I've been asked several times in recent years by host pastors not to mention a sensitive subject for fear that someone might be offended, close quote. What he's saying is he's been a guest preacher. We'll have one next week, John Mitchell from CRA. He said, before I get up, somebody say, preacher, don't, don't touch on that. Preacher, don't touch on that. Preacher, please, please don't address that. You know what that is? That's having more fear of men than fear of God. That's enough to make the devil blush. Paul told Timothy, 2 Timothy 4, 1 and following, I solemnly charge you in the presence of God in Christ Jesus. This was his ordination. 
You know who the first audience is in preaching? What's the bold-faced type say on the screen? They're the first audience in preaching. Who the judge living in the dead by his appearing in the kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. The time will come they will not endure sound doctrine, but want to have their ears tickled. They will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires. They'll turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths. There's only two seasons to preach. You know what they are? The in season and the out season. That's all. Paul told Timothy, you preach when it's popular, you preach when it's not, because the first audience is God and the Lord Jesus. A man told me, no, I'm not ready for that yet. Got off my, my notes. No subject can be off limits if the Bible addresses it. God made Adam and Eve. Eve, not Adam and Steve. You see, those people in that video, that picture we saw, those people are very close to committing sin that they cannot come back from. Romans chapter 1 says that, that God gave those people over to a reprobate mind. There is a place a person can reach where they can no longer hear the voice of God. I don't know where that is, but it's scary. You can't go to heaven. Being a practicing homosexual, practicing transgender, you can't go to heaven. But you can be forgiven and go to heaven. Paul said, do not be deceived. Neither drunkards, nor immoral, or adulterers, or thieves, or liars, or homosexual, or, or effeminate. That's transgender shall inherit the kingdom of, kingdom of heaven. But he says, such were some of you. You were washed. Sanctified, justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. A man told me recently, he said, my preacher said the Bible doesn't say an unmarried man and an unmarried woman living together is wrong. That, that, that's not in some liberal church. That's in the Christian church. He said, my preacher said a man and a woman living together not married, that's not wrong. I was criticized right here because I made a statement of opposite to that by someone who doesn't go to church here anymore. There's a church in Glen Burnie. They'll baptize anybody that moves. You can be a practicing homosexual. They, they, I've got it documented. <laughs> it's not hearsay. You can live with somebody. You can be a drunkard. They say, we hope people eventually catch on. That's what they're, they will people eventually catch on. You can be baptized and any, anything goes. Hebrews 13, 4, marriage be held in honor among all, marriage bed be undefiled, fornicators, daughters, God will judge. You say, what about you, preacher? What about you? You got your own issues. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. I certainly do. I could never attain spiritual harmony like I thought was needed under my old roof. Let me tell you something. In spite of all of that, I have been to the top of the mountain. I have been where Moses went to. 
and there's nothing like it. There are plenty of people that will tell you one church is as good as another. All roads lead to heaven. We're just taking different roads to get there. It's like going to heaven is like going to Washington. You can take 295, 95, Route 1. You can take Route 50. Once you get to Washington, you're going to be no closer to heaven than when you started. The Bible teaches there is only one church. That's all. Men divided it. There was a family here last week from Long Island, New York. They said, we came to your church because we saw on your website restoration movement. Yeah. They've been taught by George Fall and his son Kendall Fall. And we had a nice conversation with them. <coughs> Took pictures with them. But I thought about that. The concept of restoration is a biblical idea. Why did Paul write Galatians? To get the people to be restored back to because they got off the, to, to Jude, the Judaizers, got them off into false doctrine. Why did Paul write Corinthians? The church had gotten off the path in many subjects. He called them back. The concept of restoration is a biblical idea. To restore, restore, restore. Not some denomination, but the church that Jesus Christ's apostles found on the day of Pentecost. That's a biblical idea. That's who we are. We want to go back and restore the church of Christ before men muddied the water. Ephesians 4, 4 says, There is one body, one spirit, just as you were also called, in one hope of your calling. You know what that word one body means? It means there's one church in God's mind. Jesus prayed for his disciples, unified in those who believe in him through their word, that we would all be O-N-E. One. We failed to address the subject of hell. We've avoided controversial topics. Number three, we're not even to halftime yet. We became desensitized to the culture of death. The ancestors of these people that worshiped the golden calf, 850 years later, they practiced human sacrifice. The ancestors of these people, Jeremiah 32. They put their detestable things in the house, which is called by my name to defile it. They built high places of Baal that are in the valley of Ben-Hinnom, caused their sons, their daughters to pass through the fire to Molech, which I had not commanded them, nor had it entered my mind that they should do this abomination to cause Judah to sin. That's, that's not the Philistines or the Perizzites or the Canaanites. That's Israel, Judah, God's people. What they would do is they'd take live babies and sacrifice them in the hot arms of Molech and burn them to death as a sacrifice to that God. That's God's people doing ungodly things. You know what you call that? What's the word? Infanta? That's right. Over 60 million of our brothers and sisters have lost their lives in the assassination chambers called abortion mills since January 22, 1973. And I'm here to tell you, God is offended by that. If Jesus Christ were here today in the flesh, he would be crying out about that infanticide. He'd be, he would be saying, let the children come to me. The kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. Have you not read he who made you in your mother's womb, Psalms 139? Have you not read that John the Baptist leaped in his mother's womb when he greeted me in my mother Mary's womb? He was filled with the Holy Spirit. Have you not? Don't tell me Jesus wouldn't be crying out. Jesus would be crying out about that infanticide. Let me ask you a question. What have you done to defend the preborn? 
Nothing. You know why? Because we're used to the darkness. That's why. I don't want God to say to me in the judgment, you sat around eating the best food. You drank the purest water. You watched thousands of hours of television. And you didn't do one thing to defend the lives of those that want to breathe air just like you're breathing. Why not? I don't want God to say that to me. Romans 3.18 says there's no fear of God before their eyes. That's our problem right there. That's our problem right there. We don't fear God enough. That's our problem. You go to Washington, D.C. We, 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 we live 35 miles of Washington, D.C. Some of us never been to March for Life. You, you don't have to go to March for Life to go to heaven. The road to heaven don't go through Washington, March for Life. But I'm telling you, if you have never been to the March for Life, you have missed something. Let me tell you some of the things you'll see down there. You'll see trucks with the video boards on the back showing what happens in abortion. Right on Constitution Avenue. And it's hard to look at, but it's real. I offered two men $500 to go see Abby Johnson's movie Unplanned, and both of them turned it down. And I'm sorry to say that one of them was my own son. If you've not seen Abby Johnson's movie Unplanned, you need to go see it. Get the, get the, it's been long in the theaters, get the DVD. However you can see it on live streaming, you need to see that movie. You need to see that movie, Abby Johnson, Unplanned. Ronald Reagan said, and I quote, I noticed everyone who's for abortion has already been born. Yeah, no, no kidding. Thank God for Florida. I visited Florida recently. I know I'm not, I never left anything in Florida, but Governor DeSantis signed it. No abortion after six weeks. My brother said to me yesterday, pray, Indiana. Indiana was the first state that outlawed abortion only to have a liberal judge strike it down. My brother said the ruling from the Indiana Supreme Court may be coming soon. Pray about that. The Supreme Court will overstrike down those activist judges. Ronald Reagan was right. The government has blood on their hands. The Catholic Church teaches a hundred false doctrines, yet they lead the way in the march for life. What about us? Yesterday I wrote letters, my delegates, the senator. Guess how many Bible verses I quoted? Zero. I said the, the side of Science is on our side. We, we who are on the life side, science is on our side because science teaches us that a, that a baby in utero has a heartbeat within just a few weeks' gestation. I gave him that quote from Ronald Reagan, and I said, you have a, you have a supermajority in Annapolis, and you, and you can enact immoral legislation, but there's a higher power. There's a higher power, and you're going to answer to God for that. Ray, I remember when I worked at your good business, 
you had a Christmas party. Delegate Chang showed up. He's a friend of yours, I think. I remember when Delegate Chang at your business came into my office and sat down. He knows me. We've had a relationship. I've sent Delegate Chang many letters. Guess how many responses I've got? I can count them on one hand, still have five fingers left. Zero. Not one. But Delegate Chang has been told you're voting for the deaths of people that have a right to live. There's a greater court to stand before. The people in Baltimore are crying out. You hear them crying out. Now, now they're killing children in Baltimore. I heard last week the, the drug lords are, 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 are gathering up 9- and 10-year-old kids to get them involved in the drug movement because you cannot prosecute a 9-year-old kid. Too young. That's what they're doing. The people in Baltimore, they're, 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 they're crying out. Children are being murdered. 350 people a year. But I'm going to tell you something. There's far more people murdered at, on child, North Child Street in Baltimore at Planned Parenthood than there are with guns in the city. Hundreds more. And I've been, I've been by there, Charles Street, and, and Planned plan Parenthood on the, on the door, Planned Parenthood in the windows. They have pictures of children. The audacity of them. North Charles Street. We have become desensitized to a culture of death. Number four, we took ourselves too seriously and God too lightly. We took ourselves too seriously and God too lightly. The Israelites fled to Egypt by miraculous hand of God. What did Moses do? He, he, he took that rod and staff held out of the water, and God piled the water up, didn't he? You ever see anything like that? I haven't seen anything like that ever. He stood the water up on both sides, didn't he? The Red Sea. They saw what God did, and less than four months later, they said, Aaron, make a God for us. You see, we want to be like the people of Egypt. They have gods. When Moses came down from the mountain, what was he carrying? He had the tablets made by God doesn't have any hands, but you get the idea. Moses saw what was going on. He destroyed those commandments. Why? Because number one's already been broke. Number two's already been broke. No gods and no idols. They're already, they're, 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 these are no good. By the way, God didn't punish him for breaking the Ten Commandments. He just gave him another set. And so, Moses said, Aaron, what's, what are you doing? Aaron said, Moses, you know these people. You know how they are. They're fickle people. And they said, they said, make us a God. And so I got the gold and we got this calf. And, and we're worshiping God. We're worshiping the Lord with this calf. You understand, Brother Moses? No, I don't understand, Aaron. I don't understand at all, big dummy. Let me tell you something. The only rights we have are the rights that God gives us. That's all. Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. No longer I who live, Christ lives in me. The life I live in the flesh, I live by faith. The Son of God loved me and gave himself up for me. My favorite verse in all the Bible. By the way, that's what it means to be converted right there. Notice the bold-faced type. Paul, writing to Christians, he says, 
I no longer live. If you're a Christian, that's what that means. You don't live anymore. You're dead. Life I now live, I live by faith in this individual right here. I don't live anymore. It's not my life anymore. I laid that down. I surrendered that to Jesus Christ, right? We come to worship until there's something else we want to do that interferes with it. Then we, do, then we go do that. You know why? Because we took ourselves too seriously, and we didn't take God serious enough. That's why we do that. How many of us are not tithing, let alone not let alone give you more than that. If you're not tithing, start today and grow onward from that. And if you're not, Jesus Christ is not your Lord. That's where it starts. You made $1,000 last week, you give God 100 and then that's what you tithe, and you give more than that as your offering. You got to get beyond. 10%, and if you're not there, that's where you just get, get, get started. Get started. Well, I ain't going to do that. You know why we don't do that? Because we took ourselves too seriously, and we didn't take God seriously enough. We have things we want to buy. I look around in this audience. Sometimes I see people that are not singing. The Bible says if anyone has breath, he is to say it again. Praise the Lord. Anybody here not breathing? <laughs> you know why we don't sing? Because we took ourselves too seriously, and we took God too lightly. Do you think Jesus Christ in heaven is going to stop the band and say, Hey, 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 friend, why aren't you singing? <laughs> I don't think he is. That everything that has breath, Praise the Lord. I look for people in Bible study. Many people aren't there. You know why? We have things we want to do. We took ourselves too seriously, and we took God too lightly. I don't have time to study the Bible. I've got things to do. Remember that, that scripture. It's not your life anymore, friend. It's not your life anymore. It's his life. It's his life. Philippians 3, 7, and 8, Paul said this, that whatever things were gained to me, I... These I've counted lost for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, whom I've suffered for the loss of all things and count them but rubbish that I may gain Christ. Paul said, I want to know Christ. And all my Jewish credentials, they're just manure. That's what that word rubbish literally means. That's manure, that I may know Christ, be found than him. I've given it all up. We, we have taken ourselves too seriously and God not seriously enough. You, maybe so, maybe no. For you. We made the church lastly look like the world. We made the church look like the world. Drawing a so-called spiritual crowd and making disciples are not one and the same. Let me repeat that. Drawing a so-called spiritual crowd and making disciples are not one and the same thing necessarily. Churches in our time advertise, hey, this is not your father's church. Or we have created a church for people that don't like to go to church. Imagine that. This is a church for people that don't like church. 
Isn't that oxymoron you don't like church? You know what that means is? What that means? That, what that means is your father's church was too strict. We're not. That's what that means. Churches having beer and Bible study. Budweiser, Budweiser and Bible study. I've heard of designated drivers, but I've never heard of a designated driver from church. That's enough to make the devil blush. If I went to that Bible study and I drank two Bud Dumbers, not Budweiser, two Bud Dumbers, I would be lit off my rocker. I've not tasted alcohol in 40 years. I've not tasted alcohol since August of 1983. And you give me two Bud Dumbers, I'd be lit off my rocker, man. Beer and Bible study. Listen, any, try, any time you try to copy the world to win the world, you're losing. If you owned a store, would you give away the whole store in order to sell a loaf of bread? You'd give away too much, wouldn't you? If you gave away the whole store to sell a loaf of bread, you gave away too much. That's what Joel Osteen did down in Houston. He's got a whole basketball arena full of people who've been taught the power of positive thinking and have not been taught they have to repent of their sins to be right with God. Drawing a so-called spiritual crowd and making disciples are not one and the same thing necessarily. See, you, you can't market repentance because repentance means we've got to change our mind. And it means that at least we have at least to change a behavior. And people don't want to change their behavior. They want to do what they want to do and feel spiritual about it. And so you have churches full of scads and people full of church, churches that have lots of people who've never repented, never surrendered to Jesus Christ and think they're okay with God and on their way to heaven, they're not. I'm about finished. Moses said, you got a decision to make. Moses said, you got a decision to make. Exodus 35, 25. Now, when Moses saw the people were out of control, Aaron had let them get out of control. Who, who let them out of control? <laughs> the leadership did. To be a derision among their enemies. And Moses stood in the gate in the camp and said, Whoever's for the Lord, come to me. All the sons of Levi gathered together to him when he, he said to them, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, every man of you put his sword upon his thigh. Go back and forth from gate to gate to the camp. Kill every man his brother, every man his friend, every man his neighbor. So the sons of Levi did as Moses instructed, and about 3,000 men of the people fell that day. Moses said, dedicate yourself today to the Lord. Every man has been against his son, against his brother, in order that he may bestow a blessing upon you today. The Levites answered Moses' challenge, and they killed 3,000 people that were still involved in this revelry with a golden calf. They ran them through with a sword. I'm here to tell you today, we're not going to follow Moses and Levi's instructions. We're not going to follow that carte blanche. Well, let me ask you a question. Are you on the Lord's side? Jesus Christ, your Lord today? Are you hungry for him? Are you thirsty for him?
You see, if you don't know this, you're getting ready to find out, and I think you do know it. It's open season in America on Christians. We're on a collision course with our government who are legislating right what God said is wrong. A moral wrong can never be a civil right. Let me repeat that. A moral wrong can never be a civil right. How long is it going to be before they start telling churches what we can preach and what we can't? How far is that away? Let me tell you something. They can put me in jail, but by the following Sunday, I will have the inmate Church of Christ up and running. A moral wrong can never be a civil right. The state of Oregon, I'm on my last page of notes, number nine. I usually have five pages. <laughs> I want to give you hope. Need a haircut. Did you know the state of Oregon refused adoption to a Christian mother of five? The Oregon, Oregon Department of Human Services told Jessica Bates that her application for adoption was denied for this reason. Individuals seeking to adopt must agree to respect, accept, support, the sexual orientation, gender identity, and gender expression of any child the department could place in an applicant's home. In other words, if you're going to adopt this child, you have to sign this document that says that if this child wants to be a boy and come a girl or a girl become a boy, you go, go along with that. And Jessica Bay said, I don't agree with that. And so they would not let, they would not let her adopt a child of her commitment to what the Bible says. That happened not in China or Russia. That happened in the United States of America. The apostles were willing to suffer for the truth. Twelve of the thirteen apostles were martyred and put to death. Only the apostle John, I include Paul in that, only the Apostle John died a, quote, natural death, and he was exiled on the island of Patmos as a, as a prisoner for the Lord. Let me ask you a question. Would you give your life for Jesus tonight? Let me tell you something. Jesus Christ gave his life for you. Would you give your life for Jesus tonight? Revelation 12, 11. And they overcame him because of the blood of the Lamb because of the word of their testimony. And they, they did not love their life even when faced with death. You got that? They did not love their life even when faced with death. Yeah, those martyrs for Christ have always been in other countries, haven't they? Here's what Jesus said. Luke 14, 26. If anyone comes to me, does not hate his own father, mother, wife, and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Jesus said, 
this word right here, right here, you cannot be. Does that mean I, I got to stab myself with a fork and cut myself because I'm supposed to hate myself? No. What that means is you got to love Jesus more you love you. And Paul said, if anyone does not love the Lord, let him be accursed. 1 Corinthians 16, 22. You know why Jesus came to this world? Would you take a look at this picture? That's why Jesus came to this world. That picture disturbs me. Does it disturb you? It disturbs me. Jesus said, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. That's what lost looks like after death. I don't want to go to devil's hell. I don't think you do either. There's only one way to stay out of hell, but there's no way to get out. And Jesus said, unless you believe that I am he, you'll die in your sins. He said, unless you repent, you'll perish. That's what perish looks like. He said, confess me and I'll confess you. And Jesus said, he that believes and is baptized shall be saved. The Catholics say, you're baptized, that makes you saved, and you believe when you get old enough to believe. The Baptists say, you believe, that makes you saved, then you're baptized. Jesus said, he that believes and is baptized shall be saved. Mark 16, 16. 